Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Did you see any of this hearing yesterday, day two with Blinken? Give me a little of uh, Rand Paul, would you, please, Fast Eddie? This Rand Paul yesterday talking to Blinken, it, it just... One of several devastating moments, frankly, that no, that everyone is still employed in this administration is kind of stunning. Blinken being one of them, Millie being the other. We'll get into it with Emerald, but I wanted Emerald to uh, jump in and respond to some of this from yesterday. If they behave, you're going to give them the money. Why don't we subtract the $80 billion from the $10 billion you're going to give them? Then they're minus 70 still. I mean, really, the fact that you're entertaining good behavior, that they'll get more money, I think is a big mistake and a naive notion that we're going to somehow change this Stone Age philosophy by giving them more of our money. We've sunk trillions of dollars over this. our chance to have a peace dividend. Let's quit sending good money after bad. The guy the Biden administration droned, was he an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, the administration is, of course, reviewing that, uh, that strike. Uh, and I'm sure that a you know, full assessment will be, will be forthcoming. So you don't know if it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, I can't speak to that, and I can't speak to that in this setting in any event. So you don't know or won't tell us? Uh, I, don't, I don't know because we're, we're reviewing it. Well, see, you'd think you'd kind of know before you off somebody with a predator drone, whether he's an aid worker or he's an ISIS case. See, the thing is, is this isn't just you. It's been going on for administration after administration. The Obama administration droned hundreds and hundreds of people. And the thing is, is there is blowback to that. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I see these pictures of these beautiful children that were killed in the attack. If that's true and not propaganda, if that's true, guess what? Maybe you created hundreds or thousands of new potential terrorist from bombing the wrong people. So you got to know who you we can't sort of have an investigation after we kill people. We have an investigation before. Wow. I mean, yeah, just that just devastating. Emerald Robinson from Newsmax. She's the chief White House correspondent there. Emerald, this, um, you know, again, uh, making the most of it are guys like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul when they've got uh, Blinken before them yesterday. Welcome back, Emerald. Hi. Hi, thanks. I actually thought the ranking member Jim Rich did a pretty good job, too. He came out of the gate pretty hot um, on Blinken. But look, I think if you watch that hearing and you keep in mind that you look through the lens, this is the nation's top diplomat. This is the secretary of state. It doesn't get higher level than that. Blinken looked like a deer in the headlights. He clearly purposefully wasn't answering most questions. But that just is not what I think most Americans expect when they're looking to their top diplomat to be held accountable for a major foreign policy mess up. And yes. he, and, you know, I thought Representative Brian Mass on Monday really hit it because 
he just kept saying, he, he told him over and over, you're just lying. And there was so many demonstrably false statements that Blinken made. And so it's I wonder, almost surprising even to me. I, I wonder, is this news today about Mark Milley coming out in the Woodward book, um, that, that, that supposedly he was openly bragging to Woodward, oh, yeah, I called up China and I said, hey, this guy Trump, he's a nut. And if he if he tries anything with you guys, I'm going to give you the heads up and let you know, uh, which, you know, strikes most of us as treasonous. But um, I guess it's just grist for the mill. Then you couple Afghanistan it's under Biden you're a with Democrat this guy. Or a Republican. Well, but I just wonder, who do you find more objectionable today at this hour, Blinken or Milley? Like, who's the more objectionable, loathsome toad in uh, Edward Robinson's view? Definitely Milley. Yeah. Definitely Milley. That's treason. It does not get much worse than notifying your enemy, the one who is, the one in the world who is most trying to bring you down in every aggressive manner they can, economically, militarily, probably biologically, trying to bring you down. And you tell them, I'm going to undermine the president of the United States and he as the commander in chief and notify you if, if he tries to do something. And then go and tell your staff not to take commands from the commander in chief. And then go to the antagonistic, Opposition Party, House Speaker, and work behind the president, the commander-in-chief, his boss, the commander-in-chief, and work with an antagonistic uh, other party leader to attempt to undermine the president. I saw someone, Darren Beatty, I don't know if you you follow him, but he had a really good line he tweeted about Millie not long ago saying that he doesn't know, you know, if he's just that, that stupid. Or did he just take all the resistance pills at once? Because <laughs> remember and, after the um, moment where they marched across Lafayette Park? Oh, yes. And to, to St. John's Cathedral, St. John's Church right there that had been burned by Antifa and BLM. Yes. And the press went wild because they always do. And Millie got a little bit attacked. And he turned into a girl. You know, he just folded. <laughs> And ever since then, he was doing everything he can to assuage the left by turning into the most radical leftist publicly that you could be. Remember his his apology? Oh, Trump yeah. called it pathetic. He, and then we knew from there. So not only was he publicly doing these things, but clearly he was undermining, you know, being very, very duplicitous behind the scenes. Uh, in a way that a general, a top general in the United States, you just can't imagine. But look, again, I think that it's just another pulling back of the curtain for the American people to see really who these people are. You know, you think they're the best. You imagine they're the best. But the rank and file are the best. Leadership, our institutions have almost all been compromised. By the way, only another lady can call a, a, a military general acting like a girl. I, you're, you're the only one that can get away. I, I couldn't get away with that. Um, here's Donald Trump's statement yesterday. Uh, he released a statement on Mark Milley. If the story of dumbass General Mark Milley, the same failed leader who engineered the worst withdrawal from the country of Afghanistan in U.S. history, leaving behind many dead and wounded soldiers, many American citizens, 85 billion worth of the newest and most sophisticated military equipment in the world and our country's reputation is true then I assume he would be tried for treason 
and that would have been uh, dealing with his Chinese counterpart behind the president's back and telling China he would give them notification of an attack. You can't do that. He then goes on to say, I never said I would attack China. That's a lie. So he's saying if this is true, he questions whether this story in Bob Woodward's book is true. Do you think it's true that he... I can imagine him actually bragging to Woodward because the way he's being celebrated on the left, I can. he's a hero, right? Right. He thought it would endear him to the left and to Democrats. But after this botched Afghanistan debacle, it only makes them trust him less. So, so it backfired on him. It'll be interesting to see what Joe Biden does because this might give them the scapegoat they need, right? And it appeases yes. the right and it appeases the left. They've been needing a scapegoat. I started thinking it might be Secretary uh, Lloyd Austin because he's been MIA in a lot of stuff. Yes. Um, but this might, this might, because they, you know, the American people are calling for a head, not actual, but, you know, a resignation. And we've not seen it. And yesterday, Blinken was asked directly, have you submitted a letter of resignation? Have you been asked to? And he said no, because there have been rumors of some. Um, so this might be, give them the opportunity to uh, give the American people a resignation. That's what I've been trying to... I've been trying to figure out whether this is them throwing Millie under or whether this is bringing us back to that discussion of that's how crazy Trump was. You know, like, I I can't figure out which it is. I'm not sure yet, personally. We'll see. I think they're probably trying to figure that out, right? Because they might want to use it to say he was... He was because he's you know clearly has twenty twenty four prospects, so they might need to protect Millie um, in order to use this against Trump and say, well, look what a top general had to do. But even you have like <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel uh, Vindman, Vindman, yes, How about Millie this. He tweeted fired. yesterday. And, I mean, Vindman was the whistleblower who was also uh, trying to undermine the commander in chief. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When when you lose Alexander Vindman and and he says Vin, Millie should be re- <laughs> fired, like you've 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 done something wrong. Um, I didn't get to talk to you last week, and I missed you, by the way. Um, I, I know. Did not, I did not get to talk to you about Biden. Uh, role. Of course, I wouldn't have anyway, because we talk on Wednesdays. Biden rolls out, and boy, did my audience get upset about this. I mean, I got so many emails about this. People, really, you know, everything from frightened to furious about him threatening to use OSHA. And now you're starting to hear uh, corporate, corporate America is, you know, demanding Biden clarify. What the hell are you doing with OSHA making us, you know, vaccinate, blah, blah, blah. Um, here's the, the, the thing I'm noticing coming out of this White House. Not that this is profound. It seems like they just come out and they say, hey, we're tearing up the Constitution today. We know judges won't like it and we know you won't either. But we're going to do it anyway and give it a whirl and see what happens. That, have you noticed that they keep saying, we're going to do this thing that we know probably won't hold up, but we're just going to do it and see what happens. It'll buy us time, you know, from mortgage moratorium or the, the rent moratoriums, you know, uh, to, to this. I think they know they can't get away with it, yet they do it anyway. And I'm not sure whether they mean it or whether it's just to get us all inflamed. Your take? Well, A, they're going to see how much they can get away with because the Supreme Court's been a little unpredictable, right? So you can see how much you can get away with. B, it gives them play with the progressive wing of the party. And even if it doesn't happen, it gives them play with the progressive wing of the party, and then it protects them with moderates if it doesn't happen. So for them, they sort of see it as, you know, it's a win-win for us either way. If we get it, 
we consider it a win because it's a policy we want to institute. If we don't get it, we still got some some cred with with many in our base. Emerald Robinson is our uh, chief White House correspondent at Newsmax. Um, and I know you're going to actually jump on Newsmax this morning, too, so we can't keep you too long. Yes. Uh, do you do you think that they believe, sincerely believe, that they can use the government to to mandate vaccines? Or do they just believe that this is the only winning issue they have, the fear of COVID and masks and, and shots? Mm-hmm. And so they're just going to ride this thing through next year. Right. Well, I think they think they can mandate vaccines to a certain degree. And then here's the thing. It's a signal from Biden. And then in some ways it won't matter if he goes through with it because private companies to the Supreme Court might, uh, you know, uphold if there's any challenges on that because they're private entities. It, it, It pushes private companies to go ahead and institute these mandates and they can do it more more easily than just a blanket and i mean i i know for a fact that was part of their reasoning well we'll go ahead and do this it go it gets more of the private sector on board they go ahead and institute them and they're protected because they're private and even if it gets shut down on the government level we'll see i mean i'll tell you we're here in washington dc and there's you know it's what 75 80 percent if not more of the town works for the government And there are a lot of people who are Democrat voters who are not happy about having to take a vaccine and not get a medical or religious mandate uh, exemption. Remember, it has typically been those on the left who were more vaccine hesitant historically over the years. I know I lived in Hollywood for years and all of my hippy dippy, you know, artsy Hollywood friends, (laughs) a large portion of them were extremely vaccine hesitant because, A, they're very concerned about what they put in their body. They would go down the street, take their wheatgrass shot every morning, get their spirulina, and have their almond latte. And they don't like the idea of putting chemicals in their body. So it's very, it is kind of funny to see Hollywood promoting this so much because I remember what those people were like. Um, But a lot of the people who are not in Hollywood and just average Americans and are, and, you know, have there's a lot of people around here who, you know, are, were, were anti-vax for their children. And these are Democrat government workers. So there's going to be lots of legal suits. I've already heard from lawyers in town there's lots of people filing claims. So they, they technically are down, you know, now to just over 60 days. And uh, we'll see how this works in the government because there's look at what's happening in New York. There was so much backlash for healthcare workers; they were losing them at such a, a fast rate. Yes. And they had a they had to put a restraining order yeah, on the I, vaccine mandate. There, I, I can't imagine. I, I don't know if you imagine or not. Do you imagine the Supreme Court is going to have to get involved here in this in this mandate talk? I, I don't know how they. I, I hope they get involved. Anyway, do you imagine that? It gets I mean, that I would far think they'd have to because yeah. there's going to be so many quick legal challenges that go up the chain. And let me ask you. And about, I think that the Biden administration will fight them. I know you uh, cover. You know, you keep an ear on the hill as well. Uh, your White House uh, beat is your primary job, but um, I know you talk to people on the hill too. A- yep. AOC, AOC showing up at the Met Gala. Uh, you know, a thirty. You know, depending on the price tag, thirty to forty grand a head ticket. I mean, one of the most opulent events of the whole year in Manhattan. She shows up at the Met Gala with a tax the rich dress, 
And I just kind of wonder, I mean, obviously the irony is lost, or I don't know what it's meant to be or what she's signaling exactly. Is she a headache for Democrats, or do they like this secretly? Do they think this is really uh, charming and I think cool? she was a much larger headache when she first came to town, and she had that chief of staff who was really, you know, her handler. She was, she just, he, he wrote all her stuff, and he um, was responsible for her policy pushes, but uh, Nancy Pelosi managed to get rid of him. And she's less of a headache because she's a little more controllable now. So they're not they're not very concerned about her. And I think everyone just sort of laughs at her because she makes, you know, 175000 plus at her job in Congress. She drives a Tesla. She's complaining and wanting a pay raise for herself. She is in the 1%. And she could, you know, I think mo- even a lot of her base realized she could probably do a little more. They're not, I- I'm not even sure how well that plays, probably with the hardcore, but with her base around here, people just don't pay much attention to her, but they should because she still has appeal, right? And then sometimes she'll get on board with something that actually makes sense. And so she does sometimes work across the aisle on certain policies that make sense. And she, I mean, look, she's, this sounds so vain or superficial, but she is photogenic and she yes. has an appeal to people when they watch her. Even if we listen to her and we're like, what did she say? You know, you're trying to make it exactly what was the point of what she just said and did it have any basis in logic or fact. Um, she still she still plays well with people on the left. So, you know, yeah. I don't think she's as much of a headache because she doesn't have that smart handler. He was very bright, her former chief of staff, very bright. He was responsible for her rise. And Pelosi recognized that and nixed him. What is the, I'll close with this question, Emerald, politically speaking, at this hour, if you were to handicap it, I know they're doing a lot of end zone dancing today because they think that the Gavin Newsom recall uh, vote, uh, the no vote, uh, pretty overwhelmingly, he's going to stay entrenched there in in California. I, I think I'm starting to read, here are the headlines, here's the takeaway, that COVID politics is favoring Democrats, and by the way, these MAGA types like Larry Elder, it should be a warning to Republicans. Republicans better not cling too close to Trump, or you could pay for it next year. Oh, and COVID, by the way, the masks, the vaccines. Democrats are being favored out there for their COVID policies. I don't believe either of those narratives, but that's what people are trying to tell us about California today. That's ridiculous. Look, just the fact that the governor was recalled tells you that's not true. If that was the case, he'd never been facing a recall. Right. And, and people saw what happened. I, yeah. I, I personally, I used to live in California. I know several, probably about four Republicans who said, look, I never even got my so-called mail-in ballot, right? They sent them out en masse. I'm a Republican. I didn't get one. And then uh, other people I watched uh, on my Facebook, you know, just people I know post videos saying that they had went <laughs> went to go vote in person. They never got a mail-in ballot, right? Went to go vote in person, and they were told they already voted. That was yeah. happening over and over at local news. KTLA was reporting on it consistently. You know, local news was really reporting on it. And, you know, I have family that live who vote Democrat usually and signed a petition to, to recall and voted, you know, for elder. Um and they recognize that this did not go down normally. So people see that. So no matter what, it, it it's actually a um, it, it's actually a knock on the Democrats. And I think people are just more aware. Once again, like we talked about the generals, 
people can more openly see how our institutions have been infiltrated or are being manipulated. Yeah, mail-in voting is toxic. Mail-in voting is the destruction of the of, yep. of the republic. It really is. It can't it Absolutely. can't be allowed to stand. Republicans have got to undo it and stop it. Mail-in voting cannot happen, particularly in places like Pennsylvania. Emerald, I'll let you run because I know you got to do TV. Thank you for your visit again this week. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance for townhall.com. Vaccine mandates are driving vaccine hesitancy. I've noticed a sharp shift upwards in the intensity of rhetoric in opposition to the anti-COVID vaccines from the grassroots since the Biden administration has started advocating various forms of government mandates. People don't like being pushed around. And some people respond to federal government mandates by doubling down on their vaccine hesitancy. The case against mandates is different from any possible case against voluntary vaccine usage. Conservatism has always made a very strong distinction between the state and the society. The state is top-down coercive power. Society is built upon many millions of individual and family decisions. I decided to get vaccinated. Not because the government told me to. My research led me to this decision. But no one should be forcing conservatives into groupthink for or against voluntary vaccinations. I'm Jerry Boyer. 